This episode of the Short Side Option Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manhattan Brewing Company. Manhattan Brewing Company is located at 406 Points Avenue in downtown Manhattan, Kansas. Quality, community, and education are Manhattan Brewing Company's three pillars, and we are super excited to have them back for their second year as the title sponsor of the Short Side Option Podcast. With nearly 20 years of collective experience in the craft beer industry, Jake, Adam, and Garrett are focused on brewing and serving high-quality craft beers in a family-friendly atmosphere in the heart of downtown Manhattan. Manhattan is their home, and they want to bring the best possible beer experience and education to the wonderful people of Manhattan, creating a place for everyone to come out and have a good time with friends and cultivate a craft beer culture that Manhattan can be proud of. Be sure to follow them online on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Brewing and their website at www.mhkbeer.com to stay up to date on all the latest events going on at the brewery. Some great stuff going on there. And be sure to check out our episode of the Short Side Option where I had the opportunity to sit down with Jake, Adam, and Garrett to hear what's going on at the brewery and what they all have in store in terms of their future collaborations and plans with Manhattan Brewing Company. Now, Dilo and I look back at K-State's disappointing 17-10 loss to Tulane and preview this Saturday's matchup with the Oklahoma Sooners. 7 o'clock kickoff on Big Fox as the Wildcats look to start conference play with a win. This is the short side option. Nice to have you with us. Here on another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast, it's the Icon of Steelu, and we come to you following a K-State 17-10 loss to Tulane Greenway uh, last Saturday, and uh, Dilu, let's just get right to it, Chad. One we didn't see coming. Uh, we, you know, of course, on the podcast last week, talked about uh, how we thought K-State was going to win this game, not only win it, but also win it convincingly. And uh, that was far from the case here on, on Saturday against uh, a Tulane team that I want to say one thing, really deserved the win. I mean, played a yeah. clean game, outplayed us, um, out-executed us in certain situations. And, you know, nothing to take away from Tulane, but as a K-State fan, and, and uh, if, you know, you're watching the game, you, you kind of leave scratching your head as, hey, what did I just watch here for the last three and a half hours? Uh, and I think that's a question we're trying to answer here on this week's podcast. Yeah, it was just hideous. Uh, clearly, we misread this team and given them the benefit of the doubt too much for some of the slow offensive stuff throughout the first two weeks. Uh, you know, because the what keeping a vanilla against South Dakota and the rain against Missouri. But um, yeah, I mean, K State's offense just looks like it got completely exposed on Saturday. Um, and like you said, Tulane just flat out outplayed K State for really almost the entire game. Um, you know, the K State defense hung tough. Uh, I thought played pretty well, especially given some of the spots they were in. The bottom line is, if if K State can't move the chains uh, consistently, then uh, it's it's going to be tough sledding uh, against a team with you know what I think probably has. A mediocre run-of-the-mill FBS defense with Tulane. I mean, I think Tulane defense played a nice game on Saturday, but um, you know, if K State is 
struggling to convert third downs against uh, Tulane regularly. I think we had, what, three third down conversions the entire game. Um, you're just not going to win very many football games converting at that at that sort of clip. K-State, oh, 2 of 15 two on of, third down. Yeah, I was going to I was going to bring this up. 2 of 15 on third down, 1 of 5 on fourth down. Yeah, so just, 3 3 of 20 overall on third and fourth down. Right. And Tulane on the other hand, 1 of 12 on third down. Uh so yeah. credit to the K-State defense, but um it's just hard to win games if you're converting if you're having to face what 13 fourth downs in a game. Um, especially when you're failing to convert 80% of your fourth downs in a game. Um, and so, yeah, it was extremely disappointing from K-State. Clearly, I think we misread the team, especially the offense, um, in a few different respects. But hats off to Tulane for coming out to uh, Fort Snyder and spanking the Cats. You know, rather than go down the list of the nine third and fourth down plays that I charted out here uh, and go over them in great detail, let's just scrap that. Let's talk about what K-State can do moving forward, looking with this game in the rear view. How does this K-State offense get on track? I don't know. I mean, the... There, there's a few different things on Saturday that I found really concerning. Obviously, the play from Adrian Martinez has to get better. I mean, that is simply a must. We, we cannot have uh, our starting quarterback be uh, as pedestrian as he was going 21 of 31 for 150 yards. Um, that, that's just not, that's just not going to cut it. You cannot drop back 31 times and throw for only 150 yards. Adrian Martinez, uh, 13 carries for 59 yards. Deuce pretty much as shut down as he can be. 20 carries for 81 yards. Just lack of explosive plays, but I think it starts with Adrian Martinez just having to be dynamic. I mean, they the beat on him when he came from Nebraska is it's feast or famine. You yeah, know, it's exactly. He will. It's boomer bust. <laughs> he will throw a touchdown, or he will throw an interception, or a fumble on every drive. And so far this season, it's been neither hot nor cold, just tepid, and we will spit him out because of that. Milk toast. Milk toast. Exactly. And so he, we just got to take some more risks. I mean, I thought one of the biggest risks he took on Saturday was throwing that touchdown pass to Kate Warner, which was, you know. Far from wide open. No, and no, and it was, it, and you know, I look back at that throw, and I want to get into some of his other throws that he had on on Saturday, where you know that that one that he threw, and I'm just watching the highlights. When I, when I see that is, and if you watch the highlights of the game, or if you watch the full game, either way, you're going to see the same thing. But on all of his balls. Not necessarily coming out crisp with a tight spiral. That one that uh, went to uh, to Cade Warner for that touchdown, which is a, you know, in all honesty, a beautifully thrown ball and beautiful catch there by Cade Warner. You know, it's not necessarily the tight spiral into the bucket as you maybe draw it up. It kind of wobbles a little bit. You know, you don't even feel like he um, necessarily stepped into that play with a whole lot of confidence. But the thing is. He stood in there against a, a big rush. He got hit as he threw it. So, I mean, credit to him on that pass. No question about it. That was one of the best thrown balls 
uh, in catches and tight coverage that you'll see probably this season. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's got to be there. I mean, there I saw some speculation that oh maybe his he's got a bum yeah. wing still or he's protecting. It. I don't know, and frankly, I don't care. But the bottom, I mean, one thing to point out, I guess, is that he hasn't thrown an interception so far this season. He's uh, had a fumble, but I don't know that he's had an actual turnover. No, no. I mean, really, in terms of keeping control of the ball and in playing kind of game manager role, I mean, hundred percent on that. I mean, he's right, been, he's but been very good. There. There's a difference between being a game manager and uh, you still being a game manager doesn't just mean snapping just the ball, the, throwing an incomplete yeah, pass. So exactly. You, exactly. We have to just have a little more firepower because and that leads me to my next point. We need to have more firepower because the offensive line is not this gangbuster unit that we thought it was. And that I think might be the biggest takeaway from this game. Um K State's running game never really got going. I mean, like I said, Deuce Vaughn held to just eighty yards on Saturday. And really the the inability to convert the third downs on which were many times third short, um, is startling because that needs you know we can live with the dink and dunk adrian martinez game manager sort of thing if k-state's picking up third and two at 85 90 percent which really truthfully that's probably the clip they should be getting third and two um but if if k-state's offensive line just isn't good enough to dominate uh, an, a middle-of-the-road American conference team like Tulane and just enforce their will against them, then then we can't afford to have a game manager at quarterback. We need somebody who's going to be able to give us some explosive plays. And uh, this can't just be the Deuce Vaughn show because we're not good enough for the Deuce Vaughn show to beat Tulane. Um, and so, really, I mean, we can go down the list and say, oh, well... We don't have the playmakers in space. We, we don't have the wide receivers, Malik Knowles, Cade Warner, or Phil Brooks. Those guys aren't good enough. RJ Garcia has to settle. And maybe that's all true, but that's not really the immediate problem. The immediate problem is this offense isn't working uh, because the offensive line isn't strong enough to just go out and Wisconsin people. And Adrian Martinez is not taking any risks. And... If that if you if you can't dominate in a running game and you have really no passing game to speak of, then it's hard to score points. Absolutely. In in case they had a tough time scoring points, I mean, they get a, a kind of a gift three points there at the end of the first half, and they didn't score again in, in the second half, getting shut out there in the second half by the two lane defense. You know, with what I saw with, with what it's gonna be a little bit of a short segment here in terms of what case they did well offensively, you know, I really think that their strong suit with, with what I saw on on um, on Saturday and then with the first two drives against Missouri before the rain came is really getting Martinez in a more of a run-pass option style of play, getting that ball out quickly. If that read option isn't there with Deuce Vaughn, get it out, whether if it's on a, on a quick curl to – you know Malik Knowles or to a uh, to a Cade Warner who I feel like those are the two receivers so far that he has shown the best rapport with. Get it out quickly, do that thing, 
kind of in the immediate in terms of a way that you can maybe fix this offense. But ultimately, your point is is well taken with, hey, we got to be able to run the ball. I mean, we got to be able right. to, I mean, that, to run the ball yeah. effectively between the tackles, whether it's with Deuce Vaughn or Adrian Martinez or, or whoever it is, whether it's DJ Gins or somebody else run the ball. But also, too, you got to have, and with most of those run pass options, it's inside within a, a 10, 15 yard uh, you, you know, realm there, so to speak. Whether it's Phillip Brooks, which we saw on the, uh, the run pass option two weeks ago against Missouri, where he bust one open uh, on, a, on a little skinny post kind yeah. of route there to get us into uh, to a, 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 an advantageous you know, goal line position for us. Maybe that's something that we look for more. Maybe if it's, but I think really what you're getting at, and I think is another answer to this, take the top off the defense. I don't care. I, I remember saying last week when, when I'm sitting there with uh, my mom and my dad and my wife watching the game, I don't care if we throw it. I, I, want, I just would love to see us throw the ball 40 yards down the field. I don't care if it gets intercepted. Yeah, just give give some give the defense something else to think about and make that another option they have to defend. Well, I mean, what you know, what Martinez needs to understand is that not taking any risks is a risk in and of itself. Like that's a yeah, choice. that's that's absolutely like, right. And if if the if the idea is going to be well, we'll just play field position all game and we just won't turn it over and and. You know, if we, we don't have, have yeah, it's, and, then what do you? Then what are we doing? Like a turnover is not the worst thing in the world if if they're not you know outrageous. But if you just play all games safe and end up punting it, you know, fourteen times, then what are you protecting? I mean, if your possessions just aren't worth very much because you're not taking any risks, and so I agree with you. I mean, it's to the extent. That Martinez was coming into this season saying, I'm going to bury that person who had the crazy touchdown interception ratio in Nebraska, blah, blah, blah. It's like, get that out of your head because we, you know, we're now a quarter of the way through the season and we're clearly not as good as we thought we were. And so let's go back to the drawing board and tell Martinez that, listen, you cannot be that conservative. You cannot do the check down stuff all the time. You, you've got to take some chances every now and again. Um, if he can't do it, then I don't know what he's doing playing quarterback for K-State. You know what I think is that when we signed up for Adrian Martinez, we got him in the transfer portal from Nebraska, I think K-State fans were willing to take on that risk. It was like a little bit of a boomer bust because you know, with this offense, there might not have to be that. And we talked about this in our offensive preview. What we thought going into the season is Adrian Martinez had the best running back that he's played with. I don't think that's up for debate. Right. Best offensive line that he's played with. Which, even after Saturday, I'd probably still agree with. But that he wouldn't have to do as much to have this offense be successful. But we were willing to say, you know, hey, Adrian, if you turn the ball over, I mean, as long as it's not ridiculous, as you mentioned, you turn the ball over two times, you know, this defense is pretty good that we got. They didn't give up a touchdown in two games until the final seconds of, of, of the last game against Missouri. We can withstand some of that. And, and what I think is we kind of signed up for this 
risk-taking, little bit of a wild-card element to this offense yeah. that we wanted to have as part of, uh, of what we had to complement what we already had returning. And instead, we just have, you know, essentially somebody that's not taking any risk down the field. And I will say this, in Adrian's defense, man, I really don't see a whole lot open out there. I mean, there, there's there been some debate back and forth. Oh, he ha- he's had some guys. I mean, I think the one that you look at, and it's not really a risk down the field, it's on that last possession of the first half. They run Malik Knowles in motion and have him set up there kind of on a, of rub play, if you will, here as we're looking out on the offensive side of the ball, where he's opening the flat for a little bit, but that defensive back for Tulane is kind of beating him into that throw. If he makes that throw and if it's not well placed, it's probably an interception pick six. Uh, and I think you might, you know, remember the one I'm talking about yeah. there. But, you know, I just don't see a lot downfield for him to throw at. Now, if you want him to take chances and put the ball in some tight places, over his career, he's shown the ability to do that. I mean, you saw it in Nebraska where he was the offense. And, you know, this week against OU, I think we're going to have to see that because otherwise uh, K-State's in for a world of hurt uh, on Saturday against the Oklahoma Sooners. Right. And to your point about Martinez wasn't going to have to do quite as much as he did in Nebraska, I agree with it. I still agree with that. that we're not asking him to go out there and – line up and throw the ball 45 times for 300 yards. Um, but but you, want to, you want to have the ability to be able to do that if called upon. Or just, just how about 170 yards? <laughs> yeah, high water mark. Like, like, yeah, it would. I mean, and I, I, that's not asking a lot here. I mean, it's if we can get 170, 200 yards passing and another help, 50 yards on the ground. We'll Great. sign up for that. Yeah, that that's it. I mean, we're asking for 250 yards out of the quarterback. I think that's a number Skyler Thompson probably hit more often than not last year. Um, and it's certainly, given the, you know, if Martinez, like he did on Saturday, is throwing the ball, what, uh, I think he threw over 30 times, but not that much over 30. Let's, let me just check his stat. Yep, 31, 21 of 31. Yeah, 31 times and ran the ball. 13 uh, for 59. Right. That's if, if you're getting 13 carries and 31 passes, but we need more than 220 yards out of that. That's yeah. that's 50 plays uh, damn near. And so uh, that's it's just not efficient. It, it's not. It's definitely not working. And teams are, it's a, just an easy recipe for teams. And that's man up on the outside, pinch and do everything you can to stop Deuce Vaughn. And that's it. That then you hold K-State to, to 10 points. And so um, I don't want to make it sound like it's all on Martinez because like we said, it's, you know, whether it's the receivers aren't getting open and it's definitely the offensive line. I mean, <laughs> This, you know, a bad offensive performance. Everybody says, "Oh, the play calling's bad." Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, and I want to get to that here a little bit. And it, it drives me nuts because, oh boy, boy, the play calling in the Texas game last year. Oh man, terrible. Courtney Messingham needs to go. He doesn't know what he's doing. And then against LSU, oh, the play calling's great. Colin Klein, it's a great play caller. 
this and offense humming like a Ferrari. Yeah, it's, it's cooking. We got the next great offensive line. And then, oh, K-State goes out and lays a dud against Tulane. Oh, the play calling's terrible. Oh, that four, third and fourth down play calling, you know. Oh, man. Okay. So, everybody wanted to line up and run a quarterback sneak, as if that's some kind of, like, creative... Are, are you talking about me specifically? Because no, I'm just... That, that's, that's what I was exactly wanting to get to. Well, I... You know, th- those aren't... Well, those third and fourth downs, those aren't, weren't all fourth and inches, okay? True. Um, and generally speaking, handing the ball off to your All-American running back, um, even when a team like Tulane knows it's or suspects that it's going to be a run to the All-American uh, running back, man, if K-State, if Deuce Vaughn in this offense cannot get a yard on third and fourth down against Tulane with this offensive line, you know, BB, an All-American, got Leviston, got Hadley Pans are the next big thing. Um, line game. Line game. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. all these great big hog mollies. And what are we doing? Like, if... I, I don't know that Adrian Martinez shoving forward is that different than Deuce Vaughn shoving forward. What I will say, you make it a lot easier when you go under... You go, if you go under center and you have a six foot three quarterback to go pick up three three feet, I'll take that chance. Now, what I will say this. Sorry, Dell. The only fourth down conversion case they picked up out of the quarterback sneak under center. Probably the shortest fourth down conversion we faced all day. You know what? Maybe. But you know what? I will also I will take my bet going. Under the center in that situation, then I will going out of the shotgun, and we we ran a variety of plays. I mean, I and I've got them all listed out here. Well, what was the option play? When the option that? play, well, you know, true, true to the podcast name, I would have preferred it to the short side, just you know, sure, out of preference there. But uh, that's that play has caught a little bit of you know some notoriety with. The screen grab, say, oh, if he just pitches it, you know, Deuce Vaughn, you know, is able to pick up that first down. A little bit tough. He's going to have to make a guy miss. But No, he wasn't. Oh, on, on that last fourth down? On on the option where yeah. Martinez didn't. Martinez pitches that ball, Deuce has the corner. He probably does, but he's going to have to make a guy miss because there is a safety coming down there. It, there you don't. You, you, I'll have to pull it up for you. But by all means, I, either way. But but the, my point is is that I don't know that a quarterback sneak works with this offensive line because I I don't know you know we clearly didn't get the push with Deuce running the ball. I don't know that we would have got the push with Adrian Martinez lining up under center. I mean, it's not like K State got some great push that. Force the two lane yeah. seven back, and, and so that even goes back to another point that I'm going to make. And I called into the the Wildcat wrap up show with Chili Dog about this. Yeah, you're not able to pick up two three yards consistently, which Casey really wasn't able to do throughout most of the game. Do you still keep going for it? Well, right. No, I agree. I mean, what you know, and that's that bugged me. Is I thought it, we're going for it on fourth down in the first half. Oh, like our own 30-yard line. Yeah, I mean, I've got them all listed out here. I mean, we went for it uh, several times. And, you know, the, I, I I talked about this early on uh, last week in the podcast, you know, with the kicking game. 
when we're inside the 30 or 40 yard line of our own 30 or 40 yard line going in, I have no issue going for it on fourth and one, fourth and two, whatever the situation is there. The longest fourth down that we went for, uh, according to my notes, is a fourth and eight uh, at the 40 going in. You know, honestly, when you look at things, man, I don't know what you do in that situation uh, on a fourth and eight. You have to throw the ball and Adrian Martinez gets stopped short uh, on a scramble as he's as he's trying to go. But the thing is, too, is on, on that scramble, it's not one guy he has to make miss. He's got three two-lane defenders there right there in his grill. Uh, and he's able to be stopped short, you know, one yard short of the first down there. Really, when it comes down to it, to me, I thought questionable play calling in terms of times to go for it and times not to. On, on that final drive, I think it was fourth and 12. Yeah. We, we decide, in the, the uh, you, when you watch the game back, the uh, play-by-play announcers, well, K-State's going to have to go for it again here on their sixth fourth down uh, attempt here. And we go out and punt it. We never received the ball back. The rest. All of the they game. needed was a first down. I mean that that was that, that. I feel like that isn't getting talked about very much. Is that you know there's two two minutes and twenty seconds left. K State's facing a fourth down on their own forty eight yard line. We're punting. Yeah, and, and it is fourth and twelve. And uh, yeah, but I get the odds are long. But boys, <laughs> like, the, the, I mean this like, is this is it. I what's mean, the scenario here? K State. Punts it. They hold the three and out. Best case scenario. And then they've got in seventy yards to go in a minute and a half. Yeah, and that's only if if they stop them. Which they they yeah, I mean, so and then if you don't pick up the fourth down, then they still get the ball at the forty-eight yard line. I mean, case so K State punts it. Tulane gets the ball on their own fifteen. So K State got about thirty yards of field position, thirty-five yards. Are we really that worried about field position here, guys? Well, I mean, that's the biggest issue. Is I think we could have played. Uh, I don't know how the long. First down into the game anyway. Yep, I, and, and that was a surprising decision. I mean, once you've made kind of the once you break the seal, so to speak, in terms of going <laughs> for it, the cat's out of the bag there, and you're going to be going for it all day. Essentially, is what I felt was going to be the strategy going forward for K State there in that game. But um, you know, a lot to talk about there in terms of the. Um, in terms of the short yardage situations, third and fourth and one, to me it's just as simple as if you're going to go for it, get under center and take your chances there. Sure. Uh, I yeah no I and I'm I won't begrudge it. I I just think that the only we're not talking about how stupid it was if the interior line gets a push and lets the All American running back get a yard. Like that's that's the mind blowing thing is that. K-State should be able to pick up a third and two with a running game without thinking. So I want to go back to that. Four, I think here I'm going to get it pulled up here just to make sure I've got it right. So it's um, it's fourth and two, and K-State um, goes with uh, the the field side. Um, they go with the option of the field side, doesn't get it and they go and score on that next drive. What I think is the real big, you know, like to go under center in that in that situation, but K-State, in a game that's tied 10-10, has the option to pin Tulane, which, you know, at that point it's 10-10. They haven't done anything offensively either. Go ahead, punt the ball, 
Rely on your defense, which has been great for you all day. Maybe set up a short field. Heck, maybe intercept another pass and and have a chance to uh, to get a short field. I just didn't like that that necess- that necessarily there in that situation where you're putting so much pressure on the defense, which is kept in the game, to give Tulane what is a, a shorter field there in that situation. I understand why you go for it because probably the numbers tell you to go for it analytically wise. But you have to have a little bit of a feel for the game. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Your defense is the one keeping you in this one. I would have loved to see K-State punt them deep. Get another possession uh, where you're able to maybe pin them back. That way, when you get back on offense, you maybe only have to get 20 or 30 yards. Maybe set up something in the special teams game, which has been a, a strength for K-State, whether it's a block punt or a punt return. Unfortunately, Tulane drives it down that next drive and, and scores the touchdown and really – you know, at that point, with I think Casey gets the ball back with about 450, 430 left in the game. You haven't seen anything from the K State offense to make you think they're going to be able to, to to tie this game back up. Yeah, but even then, I'm not critical of it. I mean, it's your fourth and one on the 40, what, 42, 45 yard line, you said. So, what do we like? That's the time you go for it. Like, I don't blame that. that that's kind of the awkward spot. Like, I can't even be that critical of the times we chose to go for it. Really, the most critical of the going of actually going for it is probably the, the one time we got it, where K State was at fourth and one on their own. Yeah, uh, thirty yeah. yard line. Yeah, we we're like, running our thirty. What do we do, <laughs> guys? Well, and that's one of the things too. It's is, the second quarter. We're down one score, and we're on our thirty yard line. And I feel like that's an attempt to try to jumpstart the offense, which. I like, but at the same point, awful risky. Yeah. You don't give it, you're giving them three. And odds are you're giving them seven. And in a game that where they got 17 points all day, it's like, don't give them the ball on the 30-yard line, guys. I don't know. It, my, my whole point with this is that I really I don't think the play calling was all that egregious on Saturday. I think they... The plays were bad. Like, the, the plays were run bad. And it's hard for me to say that, um, you know, that Colin Klein's lost it or he never had it or he shouldn't be Casey's offense coordinator when the quarterback's not willing to take any risks and the offensive line isn't getting a push when it counts. Um, you know, some of the other elements, running shovel passes to, to Ben. Uh, to Ben Senate. Yeah. Dude, we're going to talk about a lot today. That's, I don't quite understand the rationale there. Would you rather have him go on a fade route, maybe towards the sideline? Yeah, get that guy running verts, man. Yeah. No, what has Ben Sinnott doing catching so many passes? It blows my mind that we go out, we get a transfer wide receiver, RJ Garcia is an ex-big thing, and yet Ben Sinnott has, like, probably... I mean, three he's times getting, as many targets. Yeah, is either of those guys combined this year? I don't think I don't think Jaden Jackson's in field yet for Kansas. He State. got in on one play, or he he saw a little bit of time on Saturday, according to my notes. But um, certainly not a focal point of the offense. Certainly not a focal point of the offense like Ben Sinnott is. Like I I recognize that there's a place for these utility backs, these these, these blocker kind of Swiss Army knives guys like Nick Leonard, who so can get in there. And or, or Jack Dean and just go in there and bang heads and clear the way. And sometimes you want to utilize those guys, uh, you know, get some action on those guys to 
keep defenses honest and make them remember, oh, these guys can go out and catch balls too. But Ben Sennett is not a dynamic playmaker. He's just not. No, he's not. <laughs> he, he, he is somebody that you can throw the ball to every now and again to keep defenses honest and everybody can clap and, you know, we all get excited when Jackson Ian catches it. We all got excited when Brian Goolsby got carries. But those guys are not and should not be focal points of any Power 5 offense, nor should Ben Sennett. I think there's a place for Ben Sennett on this team and in this offense. But we, he should not be getting five, six, even three or four targets a game. Yeah. And running design shovel passes to him. Like, like where the Kansas City Chiefs on the two-yard line trying to do yeah. some gadget crap. Yeah. Like, it was like a third and 12 or something. <laughs> or, or whenever we threw the shovel pass to Ben Sennett. I That I don't get. That, I think, is more egregious than... Uh, you know, handing the ball off to Deuce Vaughn on fourth down, even if it's out of the shotgun. Um, that I don't understand. But um, aside from that, I mean, I, as far as I could tell, I thought play calling was more or less fine on Saturday. It was, I think the quarterback didn't take risks, and the offensive line didn't get a push. And maybe the wide receivers weren't getting open either, but I couldn't tell watching uh, from the comfort of my living room. Well, we'll disagree on the uh, on the short yarded situations on third and fourth down for the play calling. I thought it was atrocious. Got to get under center there in those situations. But you know what? No guarantee you pick them up there either, especially when we weren't able to pick up a yard or two throughout the rest of the game. So I think that's a decent point. Let's go ahead and get to the defense. You hold two lane to 17 points. You think you're going to win this one, don't you? Yeah. I thought defense played pretty good. Defense, I thought you know, was in some tough positions. You, you had uh, two interceptions on the game. Daniel Green, of course, going, uh, you know, on a big return, 49 yards, and then Kobe Savage getting another interception uh, as well in this one. Defense was put in tough positions throughout the day due to the offensive struggles throughout the game. Um, you know, really with what you look at here, I don't think there's anything that says this defense still can't be. And that's why I, I have hope here going throughout the rest of the schedule uh, in the Big 12 as we start Big 12 conference play here on Saturday against Oklahoma. That, you know, K-State, as bleak as it looked offensively, this defense still has the opportunity to be one of the best in the conference. If not, maybe, you know, top three or top four, maybe the best. And if that's what we need to, to lean on, I think a lot of it goes back to the play calling to play a little bit more of that complimentary football. Not put your defense in such tough positions while your offense is trying to figure it out. And, and I thought K-State did a poor job of that on Saturday. And to me, the play calling is the biggest issue there uh, in, in terms of when to go for it. You know, there, there are several times. We went for it, what, five times? Heck, I would have probably punted on a few of those. Now, the analytics nerds out there are going to say, oh, no, Chris, you got to go for it every fourth down at fourth and one because you you should pick that up. And I understand that. I get it. But at the same time, feel the game. Defense is playing well. Tulane's not moving the ball offensively. To me, it's a head scratcher. And that's really where I, I kind of kind of wind down on that point. But defensively, I mean, you look here. I'm looking through the stats. You know, through K-State's first two games, I believe 10 tackles for loss in both the South Dakota and the Missouri game. Only four this game. Uh, you know, with Michael Pratt, 
you know, at, at, at the, the two-lane quarterback, able to get the ball out quickly, did a nice job. I mean, his numbers, they're not going to really, you know, put a lot of put a lot of fear on you. 13 to 26, a touchdown, two interceptions, and 176 yards passing. 87 yards on the ground, though. But was able to run the ball well, and, you know, that was really the difference. I mean, there were a couple – a couple of possessions where you know we have Kate, we have Tulane maybe backed up on, on a second along or third along, and he's able to pick up some yards on the ground and, and move the chains for for the Green Wave. I look at what uh, you know kind of kind of what you got out of out of Michael Pratt is what we need to get out of Adrian Martinez that decisiveness, being able to take on guys in the run game. I didn't think, and there's been some K-State fans that say, you know, Adrian Martinez has been a little bit hesitant in the running game even. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't think that I necessarily have seen it as much. I mean, uh, there's that yeah. that fourth and eight where he, he gets goes up in the air and he comes short uh, of, of the first down. I mean, he's got to make three guys miss there because they're all playing the sticks. When they see him take off, they're all there and there's no one to block for him. Yeah. Uh, so it, that's a tough situation for him to pick that up. I mean, would you love to see him? Would you love to see him put his shoulder into somebody, pick up an extra two yards? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, that's a tough situation to ask for your quarterback to do, especially seeing what we've had behind him sure. uh, the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about, you know, K-State was 2 of 15 on third down, which is astonishing. Uh, Tulane actually worse on third down uh, on yeah. Saturday. I mean, yeah. you know, one of 12. And so, interestingly enough, Tulane and K-State – I mean, you look at the team stats, and you think K-State won this game. I mean, really. I mean, the total yards were the exact same, 336 to 336. Plus the turnovers. Both were bad on third down, um, and K-State turned them over twice. So, I mean, you look up, you look at that, and you're like, how could... Nothing in the kicking game that really... Yeah, I mean, and so, um, kind of that scratch, but credit to the defense for by the grace of God, keeping this game as close as it was, because um, I think, you know, the the tough spots they were in, I mean, even ignoring the tough spots they were in, K-State holds Tulane to uh, just 17 points, which is pretty, which should win you uh, 12 games. I mean, the offense shouldn't score fewer than 17 points, and if they score fewer than 17 points, then you don't expect to win, um, at least in this day and age of college football. And so, you know, to your point about trying to put the defense in, in better spots, uh, I, I agree that that makes sense. On the other side of the coin, though, is that the defense being so good gives your offense that comfort that, yep. okay, so it, what's the worst thing if we don't pick it up when we're on no, their, three. their 40-yard line? Um then Tulane gets the ball on the 40-yard line, and they go three and out or get picked in yep. case they get the ball back. So that's, I mean, different philosophies there. Um, you know, Tulane scored three times on Saturday. Uh, and let's see, uh, only one of them, well, I guess they scored two touchdowns after K-State uh, turned over on fourth down. Um, but, you know, I... I, I see what you're saying. You know, if you could pin them deep, great. On the other hand, if you're on the 40-yard line and you're punting, then you're gaining 25 yards of field position, uh, probably, assuming it goes in the end zone. So, I don't know. I, I think that the defense being so good actually 
it, it makes sense for the offense to take some more risks because you can afford – you don't have that same margin for error um, as you do if your defense is Swiss cheese. Well, let's, um, let's kind of put the wrap here on Tulane. This is K-State's third loss under Chris Kleiman being a 14-point or more uh, home favorite. West Virginia, Arkansas State, and then this game against Tulane. You know, I didn't really have to feel that uh, K-State was going to come out overconfident or overlook Tulane. I mean, in in Chris Kleiman's uh, midweek press conference, says, we're not good enough. We're not good enough to overlook a team like Tulane. There, there's, there's none of that in there. Did you feel like that was maybe uh, part of the issue there, where, no. where K State has a little bit of a letdown, maybe a little bit of a look ahead in, into looking ahead to that Oklahoma game? Well, it's hard to tell because I mean, this team is still such a mystery, right? It, the offense hasn't looked smooth in any of the three games so far, and we were willing to excuse the first two performances for different reasons. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what this team is. I mean, either K-State looked ahead or K-State's just not, K-State's offense just isn't good. And so I hope they were looking ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'd i be very happy. I, I'd be relieved if, if I could say that K-State's head just wasn't in this game. Um, I'd be relieved if Tulane goes 12-0 and this year. Uh, but I don't... It, there's just too small a sample size to make to say definitively one way or the other. I mean, K State played poorly. Whether they played poorly because that's just what this team is, or because their head weren't heads weren't in it, or because they're still getting to know each other, or Adrian's being too conservative to play con, whatever. If it, I, I hope it's a quick fix. I hope that's it. But whether K State wasn't taking this game seriously or not, I I have no idea. One other thing I want to mention here before we before we wrap it up here on Tulane. Most disappointing K-State loss since when? Oh, um, at the time, it feels like Vanderbilt. Yeah, feels a lot like 2017 Vanderbilt. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, 2019 West Virginia. Um, I think that was a really disappointing one. The Arkansas State game was you can throw that one out a little bit. Pretty devastating um, at the time, but. In hindsight, I think as we get farther and farther away from 2020, it seems more like everybody's just kind of writing that one off. Uh, but, yeah, I'd say West Virginia, Vanderbilt. Probably Vanderbilt, really. Um, but just because of the hopes we had coming into it. Lots still in front of this K-State team. They kick it off here on Saturday. Like Elia Drinkowitz says, we will not be defi- our season will not be defined by one game. Well, let's hope this K-State team... Does follows that kind of that same mantra there, where where this game doesn't define the rest of their twenty twenty two season. I mean, they get the chance against the Kings of the Big Twelve Conference here against Oklahoma while we still have them here, and uh, let's just jump into that. Uh, well, and b- before we do, oh, go ahead. Um, I just want to say there's this whole season is still out in front of this team. Oh I mean, yeah, there is. It's as dismal as things looked on Saturday. There's, it's not like it this ruins our chance to win the conference or anything. I mean, it signals that K-State's not nearly as good as a lot of us thought coming into the season. Um, but in terms of what it means, what what the actual loss means for the season, 
Uh, not much, really. I mean, there's still theoretically a scenario where K-State gets back on track, like your preseason predictions, wins the rest of their games. Well, and gets that, to the college football playoff game. Here on life support. Yeah. As we enter week, week four. But uh, um, it's a tall ask because there's a lot of different fronts. But if K-State's offense gets it figured out and can just help be as good as the offense was last year, um, then then I think K-State's going to win a lot of football games. But uh, regardless, I think this week is uh, going to be a tough one. All right, let's get into it. Oklahoma. Oklahoma! Oklahoma! They, uh, they rolled it up on Nebraska last week, didn't they? Yeah, they, they, really, uh, they really gave it to old Mickey. Uh, 49-14, the Sooners are in the winter. After falling behind 7-0 early. Uh, so After, you know, their, that early part of the game, I thought Nebraska looks like the better team. And then, <laughs> well, that, that's usually about a, about a four-minute proposition. For, for the big red. Uh-huh. Nebraska's looking pretty good there that first series or two. But, uh, yeah, Oklahoma, they uh, kind of had their way with the Huskers, didn't they? They sure did. And this Oklahoma team, 3-0 coming in here to this game, K-State 2-1. Dylan Gabriel, the transfer from UCF, uh, the trigger man here for the uh, Oklahoma offense. You know, he's been pretty darn good. Seven touchdowns, no interceptions. He had a long rushing touchdown uh, last week against, uh, against the Huskers, taking it. Um, you know, 60 yards or so uh, in that game. Uh, 61 yards. I, I should be exact there in that situation. But really, when you look at this Oklahoma team, Jeff Levy, offensive coordinator, Brent Venables, defensive coordinator, head coach there, so to speak. I mean, obviously, his fingerprints are over this team in terms of what they're doing defensively. Gosh, I mean, this this is a chance for, for K-State not only to, uh, to to maybe look back at that game against Tulane and put something, you know, on the field where they can say, you know, hey, that was last week, this is this week, this is the team we're going to be going forward. But for Oklahoma, this is a chance to say, hey, we might be leaving, but we're not done yet. And uh, I, I fully expect uh, it to be a, a, a really a tough game for K-State to get in there. I don't feel like there's going to be any chance that Oklahoma takes K-State lightly in this one. No, because, I mean, a lot of these guys were on the team back in 2020, like we alluded to earlier, where K-State coming off a uh, pretty devastating and confounding loss against Arkansas State. Next week arrives in Norman. Um, in a game they had no business winning. Yeah, through, through three almost. I mean, I say three and a half quarters. Yeah, look dead, and and they come back and they have a honestly a, a monumental comeback and and, and a uh, a comeback that probably defies logic, defies re- reason for most uh, Oklahoma fans as well as Kansas State fans. Uh, but with also too Brent Venables familiarity exactly. with this program. Yeah, uh, this is a game that I think he's had circled for some time for decades. Um. But, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think K-State's going to be able to uh, catch OU sleeping necessarily, especially because I, I think Oklahoma's probably a football team that's been pretty locked in for a while, uh, ever since uh, Lincoln Riley left. Um, hearing all the naysayers uh, saying that, you know, don't let that number six ranking uh, fool you right now. Uh, they, uh, they heard a lot of crap in the offseason about how this Oklahoma team's not, you know... Vulnerable. Not, yeah. Not, it, not the class of the Big 12. Right. And so I think they they have something to prove and a chip on their shoulder, and they certainly uh, unleashed on Nebraska. 
And I think they're going to be uh, looking to continue things against K-State on Saturday. Uh, on the other hand, you know, seeing the K-State loss to Tulane maybe takes some of the uh, sizzle out of, the, out of their mind this week. But I wouldn't bank on K-State catching them sleeping. So we talked about Dylan Gabriel. Eric Gray, Marcus Major, two. Eric Gray? That's yep. Cyrus's boy? No relation, oh, believe it or not. All right. Transfer from Tennessee, though. Oh, how about so, uh, But Eric Gray, he, he's averaging seven and a half yards a carry. Uh, Marcus Major, five and a half yards a carry for this, for this Sinners team. You know, they, they've been able to run the ball. 705 yards for for their uh, first three games, five and a half yards of carry. And then with with Oklahoma, you can always count on talented pass catchers, Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss, Drake Stoops are their top three. Some names that are probably familiar for some Big 12 fans and K-State fans. This Sooners offense, you know, Lincoln Riley, the the uh, the offensive guru, he leaves, he packs his bag to go to Southern California. You'll have to cover Bear, though, at least in terms of this this iteration of the Sooners. Uh, with Mims, Weiss, and Stoops, you, you've got probably the best wide receiving crew in, in the Big 12 here. In K-State's uh, secondary and their, in their entire defense in terms of what Dylan Gabriel can do, running the ball, throwing the ball, also with their talented stable of running backs. Uh, you know, it does look a whole lot different than what uh, than what OU was putting out on the offensive side of the ball the last couple of years. Yeah, and I'll, I think this will be... Really a fun matchup uh, to watch when Oklahoma has the ball because uh, it'll just be a fascinating test for this defense. You know, we you talked about the secondary facing off against Mims and the uh, fleet of Oklahoma pass catchers. But what I'm interested in uh, looking at is kind of seeing how K-State tries to contain Dylan Gabriel, especially on the ground. Um, you know, we saw K-State's defense struggle some uh, containing uh, Michael Pratt on the ground. As we mentioned, Pratt had 13 carries for 87 yards, including a 24-yard scamper on Saturday. Um, but Dylan Gabriel is a more dynamic runner than Michael Pratt of Tulane. I think that's... Uh, I don't think I'm going out on any limbs there. Um, and so seeing a truly dual threat, uh, really good balanced uh, attack featuring um, a quarterback who can light it up through the air and, and really punish you on the ground will be a really good test for this defense um, and kind of give K-State fans a, a sense of, okay, is this defense just a good, good unit? Yeah. Is, it, is it an above average unit? Is it the class of the Big 12? Or is it one of the best defenses K-State's ever had? Um, and really, it could be any one of those three at this point. Um, but we'll, we'll see on Saturday whether K-State can, uh, can contain this Oklahoma offense and try to keep them under 25, 30 points, give K-State a chance to win the game. You know, and this Oklahoma team, they, they blew out Nebraska, but we're test early. But if you want to look at maybe one of their, maybe their best tests so far this week, or this so far in this young 2022 season, is against Kent State. Uh, trailing three to nothing, going into the late first uh, first half, right before the uh the bell rung here for the uh, the end of the first half. They scored a touchdown to go up seven to three against Kent State. They were able to blow them out here, kind of in the second half, and, and able to get to an easy easy victory. But you know, really, with what you see here, 
I, I think this is the best team Oklahoma's faced with K-State, and especially the best defense. A little bit of a challenge here going, uh, you know, going on the road, of course, to, to take on the conference's best team here in week one uh, of conference play. But really, to me, a little bit of an unknown still because I, I just look at what with what Brent Venables is able to do as a first-year head coach. And this is his first conference game. Uh, we, when we did our Big 12 season predictions, you know, we kind of faded. Those, uh, those first-time Big 12 coaches uh, not knowing the league, you know, especially guys, you know, Sonny Dykes over at, at TCU. He's been, he's been a head coach before. Brent Venables, this is his fourth game as a head coach. Right. Uh, so a little bit different scenario there. But, I mean, gosh, I don't know how K-State moves the ball offensively against this team because with Brent Venable's defense, he's got his fingerprints all over that defense, as I, as I mentioned earlier. Um, giving up 13 points to UTEP, 3 points to Kent State, and then 14 points to Nebraska after Nebraska scored on their opening drive, only were in the end zone one other time that game. And this is definitely the best defense K-State's faced. And, and with, a, with an offense that has looked um, – you want to call it inept? I think that's being charitable. Uh, so far here through the first three weeks, uh, you know, the ante gets upped here as they go on the road to Oklahoma. Well, the interesting thing is is that this is no doubt the best uh, uh, defense that K-State has faced all season. I, I think that's fair to say. But on the other hand, even as bad as K-State's offense has looked, I think this is the best offense Oklahoma's faced all season, too. And so... Um, yeah, the, this Oklahoma defense has, has looked impressive so far, but the fact of the matter is, is Oklahoma has played UTEP, Kent State, and Nebraska. And I, I'm i not so sure Nebraska isn't the worst team they've played so far this season. Yeah, that's, uh, a, fair, that's a fair statement. Because, you know, you, you look up and down Nebraska's schedule and what they've done so far. Um, they beat North Dakota by, what, 20 or so? Mm-hmm. Um, Lost to Georgia Southern, lost to Northwestern. And that Northwestern loss is looking, that did not age well. No, it didn't. Because everyone's saying, oh, well, Northwestern, you know, those even year Northwestern teams, man. Yep. They, uh, Pat what, Fitzgerald. What did Northwestern do after beating Nebraska? They went out and promptly lost to Duke. And then they went out and promptly lost to Southern Illinois. So that is, Yikes. that's aging like uh, cheese. And so, bad cheese. Not, bad not, cheese. not, not the good kind of. And so, um, I, I, we'll, we'll see what Oklahoma, you know, if Oklahoma goes out and shuts down K-State's offense, that's not going to, may not necessarily surprise anyone. Um, and if, but on the other hand, this Oklahoma defense is probably a little, um, getting a little more credit than it deserves right now, because I don't know that they've uh, played anyone particularly impressive. Uh, on offense either. That includes uh, Nebraska on Saturday. You know, we talked about earlier earlier on in this podcast, we talked about what K-State has to do to be successful on offense. I mentioned keeping Adrian Martinez in this K-State offense in front of the chains, uh, of course, but also really leaning more on that RPO game. That seems to be where he's most effective, most comfortable at. You know, K-State's coming off a game where they scored 10 points against Tulane. If you're Colin Klein, if you're this K-State offense, what are you looking to do here against Oklahoma that says, hey, we can move the ball against these guys? What, what are you dialing up? 
Well, I mean, I think that uh, I, th- I think you have to take your chances with Deuce. Uh, for you can't just go out and say, okay, well, no, we're a passing offense now. You know, we we have to force the issue in the passing game, or else, um, you know, Deuce still needs to get carries, and we still need to make him a focal point. And if Oklahoma can stop him, great. Uh, for Oklahoma, but if they can't, then that's the surest path to K-State getting points. So I think you you make sure Deuce gets his chances and, and gets his at least 20 carries. So, you know, I was looking back at the box score against Tulane, and it kind of blew my mind that Deuce Vaughn only had 20 carries. No. He was injured. Grand, yeah, um, cramps. But uh, even went, so... Went to the locker room for an IV, you know, midway through the third quarter there. If, if Adrian Martinez can't isn't gonna be helpful for us in the passing game this season, then it's gonna have to be Deuce Vaughn getting close to thirty carries a game, which it's gonna take its toll on him. But if that's the only thing that K State's offense can do, then K State's offense needs to do that. Um and so this offense runs through Deuce Vaughn, ran through Deuce Vaughn last year. Don't don't uh ignore that you have one of the best running backs in the country. Um but otherwise, you know I like the read option game. I yep. think that that's, that's something that K-State can be really effective with, and I think they were pretty effective with it on Saturday when, when it was there. Uh, and whether you want to use it out of the RPO action or, or just do a true read option running attack, I don't know that it really matters. But uh, I think that's something to get Adrian Martinez a little bit more involved um, in the running game too and, and really can kind of punish teams for devoting too much attention to Deuce Vaughn is it, giving Adrian Martinez the option to pull out and go run the other way. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think the cold hard truth is is that K-State needs to be able to stretch the field. And uh, guys like Malik Knowles, guys like Phil Brooks, but especially Malik Knowles, who's really, in my view, the real deep threat on this team to the extent we've seen them. I mean, maybe Jaden Jackson is, maybe R.J. Garcia is, but those guys aren't seeing the field and they're not getting targets. So, I don't know. But we need to really punish teams for doing what they've been doing against K-State for the last three years, and that's uh, playing without a whole lot of help over the top. And so I'd like to see K-State utilize that play action um, on Saturday and look to you know, 20, 25, 30 yards downfield or beyond um, and try to uh, punish teams there. I mean, we, we saw, I, I, I think back to the Oklahoma State game last year and, and that kind of game plan early on when Will Howard had it where K-State was just kind of YOLOing it um, and yeah. really firing downfield yeah. just to release a little bit of the pressure on, on the front, you know, the seven yards of the line of scrimmage. Um and we really haven't seen a whole lot of that since, where K-State's just willing to, okay, we might not complete it, but we're going to take a chance and put it, put the football at least in the area where a receiver might be able to make the catch. Didn't fare well against Oklahoma State. But I think with a guy like Adrian Martinez, who's shown in the past that he can punish teams uh, through the air, we, we just have to take the chance. And if it doesn't work, if it gets intercepted... It's an arm punt. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that we can live in this intermediate passing game where it's, you know, six, seven yards uh, 
if it gets completed. I mean, the first pass on Saturday was in that range, and it was huge miss. So those aren't necessarily gimmies. Um, I just think K-State needs to take more chances in the passing game, keep feeding Deuce Vaughn, and utilize read option more. You mentioned that Adrian Martinez has done this in, in his career against Nebraska. He's also done this in his career against Oklahoma. Last year, 19 of 25 passing, 289 yards, a touchdown and an interception against the Sooners. I don't think he's going to throw for close to 300 yards in, the, in this iteration. <laughs> if he did, if he does, K-State wins. If Adrian Martinez goes out and throws 289 yards on Saturday, K-State wins the football game. Yeah, probably. Um, now, I don't think that's going to happen necessarily. But I think he can maybe get to 225 if we cross our fingers hard enough and maybe that, say a few Hail Marys before the game. That might be good enough. That might be. That might be. So one thing I want to mention, too, before we get off and we get into our predictions here, any bit of a, a quick trigger finger on, on maybe uh, seeing what Will Howard or Jake Rubley can do in this game? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really know what Jake Rubley can do. We, we saw a little bit of what, what he can do against uh, um, South Dakota earlier this year, and he looked fine, but yeah. that's South Dakota, and it was uh, two or three throws, and the coaches see a lot more than I do. So if if we don't see Jake Rubley on Saturday, then I'm not going to pretend like they that, made, that's the, they made the wrong choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as for Howard, kind of the same deal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I've seen a lot of him, and I I'm not, much? <laughs> well I'm not pining um, I'm not pining for him. I I I'd rather have Adrian Martinez out there struggling um, than to take behind see what's behind door number door number uh, eighteen as it were. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I I don't pretend to have the answer. I don't I don't know if there's a better option on this roster than Adrian Martinez or not. Um. And so I'm not gonna be pining for a quarter. If they if they do have a trigger finger, fine. If they don't, fine. I'm not gonna be critical either way. In Chris Clement's press conference this week, he was kind of asked that, like, is there any chance that we maybe see, you know, a change of the quarterback position? You know, if Adrian struggles maybe in the first half uh, to go to a Jake Rudley or to a Will Howard, and he was pretty definitive saying, you know, Adrian Martinez is our quarterback, and you know, the dreaded vote of confidence after after week three. Here, but here we are. Uh, I I don't think I, I agree with you. I don't think we see that necessarily. But this is a guy that has had success on the road, uh, throwing for nearly three hundred yards, running for uh, another thirty five in a touchdown in in that game last year against the Sooners, in, in a game that uh, Nebraska lost twenty three to six. You wonder. If, if maybe he can channel a little bit of that, maybe a little bit of familiarity uh, there with the venue uh, and the jersey that he's going up against. This is a different Oklahoma defense, and, and I think it's going to be a tough test. D'Lo, let's get into predictions. What, what do we think here for K-State, Oklahoma? I, we were talking a little, about, a little bit before, and this is a game where it's like... Now, and, and, and before, before you get into that, you look at Chris Kleiman's... Track record against Oklahoma. Right. Two wins and a loss, and the loss last year was probably a little bit closer than maybe the final – or, well, not as close as maybe the final score indicated. Sure, but K-State was in that game. In the yeah, throughout, throughout the game and uh, was right in it. You know, the, the 
the time before that K-State was in Oklahoma, they, they pull off a miraculous upset kind of out of thin air a little bit. I don't know if that's necessarily in the cards, but you have a team and you have a roster that's played Oklahoma quite well. I think the, the betting line started at maybe 14, 13 to 13 and a half, depending on maybe where you saw it and when you got it at. Now down to 12 and a half. So maybe some money flowing in on the Cavs here. What say you? Yeah, and my point is, or what I was getting ready to say is that it's, you know, they, they everybody overreacts after big wins and devastating losses, right? It's after K-State went on the road and won in Starkville, it was, oh, this is the dawning of a new era for K-State football. It's, this is, you know, K-State will be a power in the Big 12. And then after K-State goes and loses to Arkansas State, it's, oh, this is pathetic. This team is doomed and, and this and that. And then they go meet Oklahoma. And it, usually somewhere in the middle, it's, you're not as bad as you think. You're not as good as you think. Um, now that said, here we are in the moment, and K-State's getting ready to go to a top uh, 10 team in the country coming off one of the worst offensive performances I've the ever worst, seen. The worst per- yeah. performance to climb the era. No question yeah. about that. And so it's hard for me to go out there and say, K-State's going to turn it around this week. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. You're because not I, No, I, I've, I've seen no evidence that this offense has any juice to it. And so to say otherwise would just be blind faith. Now, that, all that said, wouldn't shock me. Like, this is one of those weird games where everybody thinks K-State's done for and then K-State goes out and, you know, wins in Norman or, or keeps it close and everybody feels good. And then all of a sudden K-State looks like a team that might, you know, that'll end up in the Independence Bowl or something this year and win eight games and we'll have a fine season, but not as good as we hoped and not quite as bad as it seems right now. Uh, that said, I, based on what I've seen so far, this feels like a game that K-State probably loses somewhere in the range of 27 to uh, 13 is where I'll, I'll have it. That uh, K-State's offense continues to put the defense in tough spots. The defense eventually breaks down um, and has an overall good day against Oklahoma. I think uh, teams that can hold OU to under 30 points this year are going to be probably pretty pleased with that performance. But I don't. I haven't seen anything that K-State can sustain drives and move the ball against uh, defenses that, are, that can carry their water. And on paper right now, that's what this looks like. It looks like a, an Oklahoma team that, that has a pretty good defense at, at worst and has an offense that can cook when it when it needs to. And so I'll uh, I'll stick with that. I'll say Oklahoma 27 Kansas State 13. We both have the Wildcats coming up short in this game. I've got K-State losing this one 31-23. A little bit better looking offense. I think the defense is going to play play fine. A little worried about maybe what that depth along the defensive line is going to look like Nate Matlack, uh, you know, a game time decision. It sounded like he didn't practice Monday or Tuesday via uh, Chris Kleiman's presser. You'd like to have a guy like that uh, to be in there, but you know what? You can slide a guy in, Khalid Duke. He's got some fond memories at, uh, yeah, at Oklahoma. That's yeah, right. He he uh, really impacted that game in the second half uh, against the Sooners in 2020. But I'd love to take K State in this position. 
um, just adds a, a little bit of maybe a, of a contrarian play where, with where, you know, the sky's falling, it's fire and brimstone here in, in Wildcat country with, uh, with a, a, an anemic offensive performance last week against Tulane. 23 points. How is K-State going to score 23 points? Look at the special teams game. Yeah. Block punt. We had a block punt last or last time we were in Norman. Uh, that, that set up a short field. You know, those things, I think K-State's going to be able to to keep this game close. I don't think I have enough. Well, I, I don't think. I know I don't have enough confidence in this offense to, to, to give K-State the win. But I will say this. I expect K-State to come out and see a, a team that may be more aligned with what we thought we would see coming into this year uh, here against uh, Oklahoma. Is it blind faith? Yeah, maybe it is. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I have a whole lot else to go off other than that. That's right. But I'm going to go 31-23. Oklahoma gets it done at home against the Wildcats and drops the, the Cats to 2-2 two and two here in this young season. All right. Well, there you go. So that will do it here for the Tulane review. The Oklahoma preview, after a quick break, we'll be back to highlight another in the long line of K-State Wildcat legends. And also your questions come here to us in the Short Side Option podcast. We have a whole, whole host of them this week. The, the, the lines were burning up here on the Short Side Option. I had carrier pigeons flying in through my office window throughout the day. It's unbelievable. Yeah. We, we're going to get to all those here and answer your questions and ask the icon. But first, after a quick break... It's time for this week's Wildcat Legend. Join us after a quick break. Short side option, we're back. You're listening to the Icon. You're listening to D-Lude talking Wildcats football. And speaking of Wildcats football, we're going to get into our final segment of the show, which touches on Wildcats football from history. In a segment we call This Week's Wildcat Legend. And Icon, this week's Wildcat Legend. We talked a lot about wide receivers today. Talked about the passing game. This Wildcat Legend happens to be a receiver himself. Hailing from the state of Kansas. Had a big game against Oklahoma. Okay. I'll read you some. I'll read you a little it's bit down to two. Well, hold your horses. It's from Overland Park, Kansas. He has three siblings. I got it. The three siblings was a dead giveaway. You can't you can't bring that softball in here. But continue. I, I I want you to I want the listeners along to uh, to play along here. Now I'm gonna withhold one of his name of one of his siblings. Yeah. Well, I wish I could say that was wise, but it, it's you're already out of the bag here now. But continue. He has two sisters, I'll say. One of whom is named Brittany. The other one's named Mackenzie. Now, listen closely. His father played football from Kansas State under Powercat Snyder. Okay. In the 1980s. There's more. His older brother also played football for Powercats. Oh! This changes the calculus a little bit for me. Continue. Um, you, are you... Go ahead. Continue. I, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not as sure as I once was. He majored in accounting. Okay. That helps. Who do you got? You ready for me to fire away? Fire away. Is it Antoine Polite? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I he's looking like an accountant. I mean, Fair enough. I, I mean, Do you need more clues? Yeah. Fire away. Um. So I mentioned his older brother played football for K State. His dad played football for K State. His sister 
played volleyball for K-State. Wow. Anything there? I, I got nothing. He's a former coach for... This Wildcat legend is a former uh, analyst or graduate assistant for K-State. Okay. And he's now moved on to the Southeastern Conference. Hey, I got it. I should have known this by the accounting major because I had classes with him. You're talking about Stanton Weber. Talking about Landry Weber. Oh, Landry Weber. (laughs) You should have said he was in the seminary. That would have been the dead giveaway. Well, that would have been the dead giveaway, but that's after his uh, Wildcat legend. So how's he doing the seminary? How's he doing the seminary? I told you he had an older brother. Yeah, but how's he doing the seminary if he's also uh, a... um, I said he's an accounting major. Yeah, but how's he doing that if he's also coaching the Southeastern Conference? Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, so, I got I mean, a little mix up, a little, mix up little, like little dodgy here on this week's Wildcat. Let's yeah. continue. Lit, uh, his older brother played football for Kansas State. Kansas State. Kansas State. His older brother was uh, GA for Kansas State. He was. Yeah, so I kind of conflated the two. This week's Wildcat legend is, of course, Landry Weber, brother of Stanton, brother of Brittany, and brother of Kenzie. Son of Stan. Son of Stan, exactly right. And uh, don't forget about Nancy. No, can't. Um, no, Landry Weber is this week's Wildcat legend, and, and he had a pretty darn good career, and, and he had a pretty good high school career, too. He played Bishop Meage High School under head stag. coach John Holmes. He was a stag. He picked up first-team All-State honors as a senior for the Topeka Capital Journal and the Eagle, uh, while he was an honorable mention pick by both uh, as a junior. He carded 1,160 receiving yards on 57 catches, which is an average of 20.4 yards per reception. And 20 touchdowns as a senior. 20 touchdowns as a senior. Love it. Um, Helped the Stags earn consecutive 12-1 records as a junior and senior. Uh, Both seasons resulting in state championships for the Stags. Uh, Played basketball while he was there as well earning two more state championships for Bishop Meage. Uh, this is a guy who played quite a bit of football for Kansas State uh, throughout his career. In 2018, he saw time in both the Baylor and Kansas games. Uh, actually recorded a tackle uh, in the Baylor game. Recovered a fumble in the Kansas game. So got some time in on their special teams. Uh, but 2019 is when he really... Broke out as a receiver, uh, chalking up two catches in both the Nichols State game and the West Virginia game. Western Virginia. Uh, 50 yards receiving in the Western Virginia game. That was the the aforementioned rough loss against West Virginia in 2019. Also had a reception in the win in Starksville, if you recall. A pretty big pass catch there for Landry Weber. 23 yards on the pass from Skylar Thompson in that game. Uh, but last year, uh, 2021, is when he really flourished. Uh, chalking up 30 yards on two receptions against Southern Illinois. Uh, three receptions for 49 yards in the big victory against Texas Technical. And 29 yards on two receptions against Louisiana State in the bowl game. But he's our Wildcat legend this week because of his performance against Oklahoma last year. In K-State's uh, heartbreaking loss to the Sooners in that game, Landry. Uh, reeled in four catches for 65 yards and the only touchdown of his career, but a career-defining day 
for Landry Weber. And just kind of a guy who's been kind of a steady presence throughout his career. Um, you know, see him a lot in those four or five wide receiver sets oh, we saw for Skylar Thompson last year. Uh, and in that Oklahoma game last year, K-State came out firing. Yeah, I mean, they did. That's that's one thing. That's I what would, you want to see maybe this week. Well, it's something that wouldn't shock me just as I think back on that Oklahoma game last year because that was kind of a similar situation where K-State's offense had kind of struggled the previous few weeks. Thompson hadn't been... Um, at the helm. At the helm. Now, I believe the Oklahoma game, was that before or after the Iowa State game last year? It was before. Okay. So it was Thompson's first game back. Correct. But K-State had lived through... Uh, Couple tough offensive performances uh, without Skylar Thompson. See Skylar uh, so aggressive in the Oklahoma game was a little different than what uh, we'd seen. Um, not just before uh, in the first against Southern Illinois, but it'd been a long time since we saw K State come out firing. Um, you know, obviously twenty twenty the Will Howard experience. K State was pretty gun-shy throughout uh, most of that campaign. Um, but that was really a breakout performance for Landry Weber, but also a breakout performance for Skylar Thompson in that game, too. Absolutely. Um, just to see the aggression there. And it was a, a great day for Landry Weber, and showcased his, his pass-catching ability, but also kind of showcased some moves in the open field there oh, in that Oklahoma game. And so, no um a lot to be excited about there for the uh, Weber family, great Wildcat family, uh, and a great uh, lot to be excited about there if you're if you're Landry Weber. No question, no question. This is a, a perfect Wildcat legend. I mean, when you look back at at that game, I mean, you mentioned it perfectly. K State coming into a game after after taking a loss uh, the week before at Oklahoma State. Uh, you get Skylar Thompson back. You don't really quite know what to expect. K State injures that game very similarly. To this case, to this case, State Oklahoma game, because I believe they were twelve point underdogs. There you go. So you're, you're you're seeing kind of that same type of game. Oklahoma expected to win by two scores. K State keeps it a little bit closer than the experts think. Layton Leak Knowles' uh, uh, kick return makes it a little bit closer, but uh, you know, great choice here, Dilo, in, in terms of, of highlighting a a long list of walkout legends here. And you mentioned it a little bit earlier, Landry getting it done off the field after graduating from Kansas State. Now yeah. in the seminary, I believe out in Colorado is where he's uh, getting his education there. Um, and education was a high spot for him too at Kansas State, earning first team academic all the twelve throughout his career. Um, so whether it's on the gridiron, whether it's uh, in the cassock, or whether it's uh, in the classroom. Landry Weber's always been getting it to, done, putting up legendary performances week after week. But the most legendary happened to be against Oklahoma, K-State's opponent this week. And that is why Landry Weber is this week's Wildcat legend. An icon. Uh, I want to segue now into our final segment of the show, a segment we hear at the Short Side Option call Ask the Icon, where listeners can submit their questions to the Short Side Option's very own Chris the Icon Sork. Uh, in any in a host of ways, really. I mentioned I I you know, I, I want to come back to this. The, you got to slow down the pigeons. <laughs> I mean, the, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, the the amount of of carrier pigeons right here. I have a little nest in my office where they where they hang out. They I mean, it's tough to keep this place clean. I have to be honest with you. But uh, you know, nothing nothing is over the line in terms of getting our listeners' questions delivered in any way that they can. 
so we can answer because that's what we do here on this segment, as you've you know pointed out very clearly. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, listeners can submit those questions, like I said, in any host of ways. Whether it's mm-hmm. carrier pigeons, maybe slow down, or by tweeting them at us at the Short Side Options Twitter account, which is well, a T- I, I say. I mean, you say slow down, and I mentioned that. I've got a whole new coupe here. I mean, let, oh. keep them coming. I mean, whatever, oh. whatever works. All right. Know? Well, very, very well. Send a pigeon. Send a raven. <laughs> I might have someone perk up on here on the uh, on the old shoulder here. <laughs> um, yeah, submit it to us on Twitter at tsso underscore podcast. Uh, use the hashtag ask the icon, which is probably popular. Texting to us. Uh, here's one. Go to the pet store. Buy a parrot, okay? Oh, I like where this is going. <laughs> you know what? I'll just leave it there. Just buy a parrot. Let your imagination run wild. Uh, our first question this week comes from listener Ryan Moss at Powercat Ryan. Ryan asks, you think your critical take on Colin Klein's decision to run a double pass on third and two against Missouri caused his ultra-conservative play calling against Tulane? This might not be a question for the icon. That's a good this question. Is a, this is a question maybe for Ask Dealer. Uh, which is also another wildly popular segment we have here on on the uh, Short Side Option Podcast. Dilu, I believe uh, last week you called him stupid. And uh, you, you call that play call uh, egregious. Um, I, call, I call it a fireable offense. And I'll, I'll let you have the floor here. I think there's a fine line between uh, running a double pass in a game that you have the lead in um, on third and two. Uh, at the what about twenty yard line, twenty five yeah, yard 25, line, 30. Um, and uh, going ultra ultra conservative. So I, I would just encourage uh, K State's uh, offensive coordinator to uh, find that middle, that sweet spot, kind of in the middle of that. You know, and if I recall, we we weren't too critical of the actual play design. I mean, I have no fundamental. You know, dis- disagreement with calling double passes. Um, it's just consider the situation, and, and there's a time and place for everything. And I didn't think third and two uh, was the best spot for that. But it's it's a got to be fair, fair point by uh, Powercat Ryan that he brings up. And so we'll we'll continue to monitor that as uh, the rest of the season progresses. We'll monitor it very closely. Yeah, there's no question. I deal. I think that's a terrific response there. Uh, our next question comes from a listener E underscore S for KSU at E underscore S for KSU on Twitter. He used the hashtag Ask the Icon. He says, I am putting together a list of things that are a, that are more of a guarantee of success than running a quarterback sneak on third and fourth on third and fourth down and one. He says, I'm having a real hard time putting together that list. So far I've been against the Lions on Thanksgiving. Uh, do you have any help with the list? Not a bad, not a bad start there. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty sure thing. Um, you know, honestly, the other thing that came to mind to me is going to uh, to Jazz Louisiana Kitchen and hearing live music. You know how I know they have live music? The doors are open. That's how I know. They have, they have live music every day. But going back to to E underscore S underscore four KSU, I think I got that right. His points, well taken. I said earlier, let's not overthink it, boys. Get under center, third and fourth one. Third and fourth and one. If anyone should know this, it's Colin Klein. I mean, he he was a battering ram for half his career at, at K State. Uh, get under center, pick up that yard, 
Uh, I totally agree there. You know, on this subject, I, I just want to run through K-State's fourth fourth down attempts. Yeah, fire one. So they had the, uh, the one in the first half uh, that they converted. Yep. Fourth and one, they run the quarterback sneak and convert. Later on in that drive, they face a fourth and one. Give the deuce for Stuffed. no gain on the play. It's Tulane 30-yard line. We flash forward to the first drive of the uh, third quarter. K-State faces a fourth and eight. Uh, Adrian Martinez runs for seven yards. I believe that's the one uh, that you alluded to earlier where he had kind of a rough go. But bottom line is, fourth and eight, you probably don't want to run yeah, a quarterback probably sneak. Um, third and one. Uh, on another drive later on, our, our guy Ben Sinnott doesn't quite get over there for a uh, when he's getting motioned over. Too slow getting over there for his block. Plays blown up. Casey doesn't go for the fourth down there. Yeah, on third and one, I, I don't know that. I mean, maybe you do a quarterback sneak on third and one. Why not? Yeah, I guess so. You got two chances. Well, if you're uh, two two of fifteen, then uh, it's and then, pretty and easy. And then on another one, we we're going for fourth and one at our own thirty. We're in the same exact formation, same exact motion with the wide receiver coming in, that uh, which is kind of a tell, which I wish we would stop. Just don't even motion. Just get up there and run it. Looks like we're going to go for it. False start. Yeah. No. No fourth and no fourth down conversion opportunity there. And then the uh, the last uh, fourth down was the option play. So well, it's not as if we we uh, we had another one mixed in there too. Uh, a fourth down in two dive with uh, with uh, sure Gibbs okay there. you're right and, I skipped and, over and that and he loses a yard but which fourth, on fourth and two yeah probably not a quarterback sneak situation there but would like to get Martinez out in the move a little bit there. So we're talking about really two opportunities on fourth down and one. Uh, and third down one. Right, sure. Get it, but if, if yeah, maybe we'll if if we're within two yards on third down, we'll, we'll just line up and sneak it from now on, and then nobody can uh, be upset about. The play. But then we'll we'll get less questions for Ask the Icon. So is that really what we want? Yeah, but guys, we're we're not gonna run. We're not gonna run uh, ten quarterback sneaks a game. Why not? Because we're cool. Okay, then yeah, we'll, we'll like I said, if if we're third and two from now on, we'll just run quarterback sneaks for the next two downs, and then everybody will be happy. I'd be happy. Yeah. Okay. Um, S- settled. I mean, what what else do we need to talk about? Here? Yeah, we we've solved the uh, the issue. Um. Anyway, point taken. Uh, good question there. Good question. I like that. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from our listener Trim at Trim Go Emaw. Trim's going to get right to it. He says, let's get right to the elephant on the small island. Mm. Was Mark Wahlberg trying to protect all our feelings when he declined to deliver a projection for this K-State football team? He's trying to protect the feelings. Wouldn't you two, the short side option couple, so to speak, prefer tough but true words from our guy Mark? It's a good question. And unfortunately for K-State fans, Mark's silence maybe speaks volumes. Yeah. It's a little disturbing that we haven't heard from him yet. I wonder if he's okay. You wonder if he's maybe just off in his journey one page at a time. As we as as we do here one game at a time here on the short side option. Um would have loved to hear heard from Mark. Uh and Mark, I know you listen. I know you're out there. 
fire away. It's not too late to, to chime in. What's the score going to be on Saturday? Yeah, hop in. Hop in the mix here. You know, and, and I'll be honest with you, not a great job by me. Usually send out the uh, pregame prediction thread. Forgot to. Yeah. Is that possibly the reason why K-State lost? Not ruling it out. We all have to look at ourselves in the mirror for accountability here. And, and, and I'm, I'm at the forefront of that. Uh, I have to evaluate myself. I have to look how to get better each day. Goal number four, improve. That's what it's all about. Self-improvement, self-honesty, and being truthful with yourself. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I'm going to do a better job. I hope Mark does the same. Next question comes from listener Jeff Burkhardt at Jeff underscore Burkhardt on the bird. Jeff asks, can the coaches at least acknowledge that Ben Sennett is a tight end, H-back, fullback, and stop flexing him out to the slot? I'm sorry, but he's not a deep threat. Am I stupid for thinking 9 a.m. could be running some boots and get the ball to him on a drag route? Yes, to all of that. Yes, he's uh, stupid. No, no, he's not stupid. Jeff is a, is a tremendous K-State fan, and I certainly enjoy Jeff's commentary here and his question here on the short side option. Uh, I look at what K-State's doing here in the, uh, the passing game. But what's the biggest issue with the pass game? Not explosive enough. Not having enough downfield threat. You know what's a really good way to kind of start fixing that? Get more explosive players out there. Yeah. In those passing situations. Ben Simmons, not one of those guys. Uh, Jaden Jackson, RJ Garcia, Keenan Garber. Take your pick uh, among those. You know, I mean, there there's some thought about you know, when you, you send in that package, you say, oh, they got two t- they got a tight end in there. We need to adjust defensively, you know, for maybe a possible run here, you know, because they, they don't know exactly how we're going to, you know, get out there once once the, once the we're under center necessarily. I mean, but come on. We got to get better with our personnel groupings, and that's where I expect to see a, maybe a, a change there. Chris Kleiman is in his uh, – in, in his press conference here midweek said, you know, when we have two tight ends out there, maybe we need to get uh, need to get Sammy Wheeler out there a little bit more. Maybe need to get, uh, you know, Will Swanson out there as well a little bit more. Maybe you see some of that. But in those four and five wide receiver patterns that were – or those formations that were going out, in the past pattern, there's no reason Benson needs to be split out one. None. Yeah. I, now, he, it, 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 and like Jeff said in his question – you want to have him coming out of the backfield? You want to have him coming on, on an inline wide receiver drag or an inline tight end drag? No issue with that. But to have him split out as one of your, your, your five eligible wide receivers in those formations makes no sense to me. Yeah, he just hasn't really shown that he's much of a receiver. Like, I, I get the appeal of having a big guy on the outside. I mean, we saw that with Iowa State. Matt Campbell's offense over the last few mm-hmm. years, where they've been able to utilize Charlie Kohler, yeah, exactly. Um, and so there's a place for it. I and and maybe Ben Sennett's that a guy who can do that. I just haven't seen. It. I yeah, just haven't I, seen I him. I don't think that's there. Yeah, and um, so until I see it, it's hard for me to endorse that. Uh, and they that and they typically don't have him out wide. They have him inside the slot. Right. Yeah. So I mean that's not a good place for him. He's not able to chip there. I, I just I don't quite understand it. Um 
Jeff is as confused as we are. Well, and, you know, we, we see Ben Sennett out there a lot with uh, Sammy Wheeler, too. And so it just seems like a little redundant to have that much of a... Like, that just seems like it's going a little overboard when you have two guys, two taller, slower pass catchers out there who are trying to put pressure on a defense. So I... Stomach one of those guys. I just don't see the point in double tight end, tight end H back, uh, where they're both meant to threaten to be a pass catcher. I just beyond me above my pay grade. I don't quite get it, but uh, I uh, I gotta agree with Jeff there that uh, making Ben Senate a focal point of the K State offense throughout the first three games just uh, doesn't seem like it's gonna outflank too many teams there. Which is important. You have to be able to outflank and outmaneuver. That's right. That's right. Uh, our final question this week comes from listener hashtag Tangang at KSU underscore funny 33. He hops in the mix here on the short side off. He hops into the mix. And Tangai asks, is it time to bring Sammy Wheeler back behind center? You talk about utilizing the tight end. You know, that's, that's a deep cut. That's, that's a guy who knows that Sammy Wheeler's uh, recruiting profile listed him as a quarterback. Out of Mill Valley. Yeah. Talented uh, player and is a guy who yours truly here on the short side option is a huge fan of. Yeah, kind of a quiet season so far. Breakout game? Possibly. Possibly so. Possibly so. I, maybe, you know, maybe yeah, from you where you least expect it. You don't want Adrian Martinez getting under center? Put Samuel Wheeler up there. Not a bad idea. I mean, you know, I, I kind of scoffed at the, at the notion of... Uh, you know, some people say, "Well, put Will Howard in there for short, for short yardage situations, and kind of go with that weird uh, belt dozer type stuff that we saw Oklahoma run a long time ago, where you sub in the quarterback to do sneaks and powers and this and that." Uh, yes, I, I don't want that. I'm, I do not man, want that. I want if we're going to run the quarterback in, in, in short yardage under center. Only way. Unless it's it's a read option game on like a fourth and two, fourth and three situation where you're getting to what we thought going into the season, what I think we still think is, is the strong suit here for K-State possibly in that situation where, you know, you leave a defensive lineman or you leave the defensive end unblocked in, in that read game. You option those guys off and, and you have the option with, with uh, Adrian Martinez or uh, Deuce Vaughn carrying the ball. So uh, with, with that being said um, – don't necessarily like the belldozer package. I like more of a read option game if you're coming out uh, out of the shotgun or out of the pistol in that situation. To me, though, get under center. Take your you know, two feet if you need it, three feet if you need it uh, in those situations on, on fourth less than a yard. Move the chains and, and, and let the fight other down. Get the hand under the rear end and push. That's uh... Yeah, that's where that's where we need Ben Senate as pushing. Yeah, I wouldn't be object to that, uh, but man, with uh, one of four on uh, fourth down and uh, two of fifteen on third down, I'm uh, I'm not writing anything off. I'm I'm open to all ideas for this K State offense to move the chains. Uh, Icon, there are no more questions. Do you have okay. any final thoughts to impart? Uh, any any final wisdom to impart to you our uh, listeners? I want to turn it back to you. Um, you mentioned a, a, a great saying. You're never as good as you think you are. You're never as bad as you think you are. 
K-State fans going in this you know week four matchup, first conference game uh, with Oklahoma, our dobbers down. I mean, let's just call it how it is. What we thought could be a potential you know Big Twelve title winning team does not look it through the first three weeks. Let's 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 make that clear. Uh, really, with what you see here, in terms of kind of what your long term picture is with this K State team, how much is your confidence shaken going in here into uh, the start of conference play? Are you asking me? I'm asking you. It's very much shaken. I mean, I I think that uh, clearly we kind of misread. Not only did we misread maybe what K State's looking like, I think we probably discounted a lot of teams in the Big Twelve. I mean. Look at what KU's been doing. You look yeah. at what Texas has looked like so far here through three weeks. Um, Iowa State's three and zero. I'd be a little careful on Texas. They they have lost a game and they didn't exactly look uh, like they were firing on all cylinders against the Roadrunners. And, and some quarterback injuries there will be interesting to see. I mean, also with Texas, you kind of take a little bit of hey, let's see what they look like maybe mid October before we get too far ahead of ourselves. But you know, this Big Twelve. You know, gosh, I look at it. I thought it was pretty wide open here. Really, Oklahoma State's look super sharp. Um, Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma. Um, Baylor, you know, going on the road, losing to BYU. But, you know, they got a big matchup this week against Iowa State, which is going to be catching my eye. Uh, You know, this Big 12, previously, I think kind of the – when I say previously, I look back a few years, you know, Honestly, outside of KU, and now you throw them in the mix as a as a really you know dangerous team, a team that's going to be fighting for bowl eligibility, if not maybe even more for them this year. You look at where this Big Twelve schedule looks like, and you say, man, not only is this Big Twelve a little bit better, there's no there's no gimmies. I mean, yeah. West Virginia, they they can move the ball offensively, they can beat you. They have a a, a tough home field uh, environment there as well. This Big Twelve, you know, in terms of what I I've seen here for through uh, three weeks, probably as deep and maybe as dangerous as it's been, you know, in the last decade of the conference. Yeah, I think there is a uh, pretty strong middle class, and not you know, you look up and down the conference, you don't really see uh, any gimmies on the schedule. No, um, certainly not. And so it's it's going to be a tough slate, tougher slate than we thought. Coming into the season, um, but you know, as down as a lot of K State fans are after that Tulane game, I mean, I just think that it's important to remember that we're probably not as bad as we looked. I mean, I think and I have enough faith in in the coaching staff to where we're going to get it turned around and figured out offensively. It might have taken a little bit longer than maybe we look for, or maybe what we hope for. But I, I still have the what with what I've seen from the defense. I think this is going to be a good defensive K State team. Now the offense has to pick it up, but I, I do feel comfortable that this offense will will get it figured out. Maybe a little bit later than what we had hoped for, and maybe in a little bit different way than we hoped for. Uh, but I, I do think that K State's offense it may not score thirty five points a game. Might be more in that, you know, 20, 28, 27 point per game. But, you know, you have a good defense to lean on. I'd like to see a little bit more in terms of playing to the strength of our team. So far here through three weeks, that's our defense. Yeah. And, you know, I there's still part of me that looks at Adrian Martinez's statue and says, man, this guy's 
You look at the back. Of, you look at the back of his baseball card, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. and you say this is a guy that has done it at a high level. You know, the big thought was, oh god, he's going to turn the ball over twenty times this year. You know, through three games, he's pretty darn clean. Yeah, nothing clean, else. But can he cut it loose? Can can we unleash that other part of our offense that you know we were counting on here before the season? And I think. You know, honestly, it is still a part of the offense that is in our arsenal. And, you know, gosh, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe it's not Adrian Martinez. Maybe it's someplace else uh, up and down the uh, in the quarterback room, whether if it's Will Howard, Jake Rubley. I don't know. But, Adrian Lair. Hey, Sammy Wheeler. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we, 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 we mentioned that here with KSU Funny. I mean, who knows what it's going to look like. Yeah. But uh, – I'm not ready to give up yet on this K-State offense. I think they're going to have a tough time. I would love to have the weeks flip-flopped where we're playing Texas Tech this week uh, and have a chance maybe to uh, to get right at home. But, hey, schedule is what it is, and uh, K-State faces a big big road task against Oklahoma where they've had success before in the past. They've played them tight. Uh, they've won two games in, in Chris Kleiman's three matchups with the Oklahoma Sooners. You know, maybe there's a little bit of magic left. Well, certainly a big chance for K-State to right the ship, uh, you know, in the reality where K-State does look great and pulls out a big win against Oklahoma. I think everybody's singing a different tune next week, and Tulane looks like an aberration, and all of a sudden the K-State offense isn't looking like it might be okay, and the defense still looks strong, and here we are next week all feeling great about ourselves. Uh, so... Porter, remember, one week um, and a week where the defense looked as good as it's looked all season. And so, um, you know, offense is a problem. Really, the passing game is a problem. Offensive line is a little bit of a problem, but K-State's faced bigger problems than that. Um, there, there have been times throughout uh, the last 10 years where K-State's looked far worse than they've looked so far. I mean, it... It's important to remember that it's really, I say, one side of the ball, but uh, it is what it is. I mean, there's no problems with the defense. We're, we're confident in that unit. Um, and it's just figuring out a way to make our talented backfield work. And if nothing else, they're talented. I mean, yep. they've proven you, that. You'd rather have, you'd rather have uh, those guys back there with some track record. I mean, obviously, Deuce Vaughn's track record uh, you know, goes without scenes. You have to look at the same thing with Adrian Martinez. He's it's it. there. It's there. We just got to figure out how to how to harness that and make it uh, a little bit more potent than what it's been so far. So, Dilu, anything else you want to add? Nope. Folks, that does it here for the short side option here in a two-lane review Oklahoma preview podcast. We thank you for listening, and uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at TSSO underscore podcast to stay up with the latest news with the podcast. We thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Short Side Option Podcast. Go Cats.